Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from the end of the world here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with and us I, today... I, and apropos way in, by the way. It feels like every day feels like the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you know, I was going to say, as, as, as we alluded to right before the podcast started, I was going to introduce us from the 13th floor. But um, I had written there. There is for those of you who haven't seen the movies. I assume that's everybody. There's a moment <laughs> where Craig Bierko, the star of this movie, he's a, a he's an actor, an American film actor, um, gets to the the end of the world, which we'll tell you about what that means. Uh, and, and then you know, as I read what I had written while I watched this movie, I realized um, how apropos it was. But with us today, back, Jessica Ellis, writer and director, producer, and what a great guest. Only comes on for the shittiest movies. But uh, <laughs> but she's the best kind of guest because she wants to hang out with us, Kenny, and talk about movies. And she doesn't care what those movies are. She would, yeah. Well, no, I mean, and, and because and because she she's able to make uh, make lemon aid out of lemons. Absolutely. I'm hoping at some point I will graduate and you guys will find me worthy of a good movie. Like I feel like I'm working my way up through terrible the terrible ranks because this is a significant step forward, but yeah. not like anywhere in the vicinity of good. I do, this is a significant I, it, step forward. This is a significant step up, but it should be said. You kind of picked Anna and the King. 
I did. I did. Well, because I had liked it when I was 17 in 1999. And, you know, it's Jodie Foster. No, I get it. I'm just, I'm, I just want to say we didn't, we didn't voice that on you as no. much as we did the last two films. I, I actually watched uh, Silence of the Lambs this past week. Sure. It's a good film. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, <laughs> it's almost weird that Jodie Foster is ever in a bad movie because she should never be in movies like Anna and the King, but she should have just been in great movie after great movie after great movie like Meryl Streep. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, now she's in the Mauritanian. I guess we'll be. Yeah, we'll she's be stuck her hair in it. She looks kind of. I cool. have no idea. I yeah. literally, literally didn't know what the what, what that the movie existed until the Golden Globe nominations Same. came out. Same. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the music version. It's the music of the drama side this year. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I first of all. Um, Jessica, thank you for coming back and for, oh. you know, and and obviously for for talking about this film, which pretty much doesn't exist. I mean, I, I think that I, I think that if you if you went on the street and took a poll, most people would be like, I I don't I don't know what you're speaking of. I had never heard of it. I had ne- oh, never really? had crossed my radar whatsoever. The only thing I knew Craig Bierko from was he was on Unreal. Yes, he's uh, on Unreal, and he was great in that. So I was like, well, he's kind of a cool actor, and in this, he's there. Uh, and he is, yeah, he is there. He hits his mark. He's in focus. So yeah. I love Unreal, or loved yeah. the first season of Unreal. The first season, yeah, yeah, it was I amazing. It was amazing. And I remember he he got like the and in that or something. The effects. So there was yeah. you know the, there was this you know when you get the and there's this assumption that this person is a celebrity of some renown. And uh, I did know his name, but mostly because his name is Craig Bierko. It's one of those names like Brian Benben where like you, you just know – I mean I know Brian Benben was on Dream On. I don't know what any else this guy has done, but I've never forgotten that there, there's an actor with the name Brian Benben. So there is an actor with the name Craig Bierko. He was uh, – That might be the, the most people have spoken of Brian Benben in 25 years. Can I tell you, this is the dumbest thing. Can I tell you how I, how I know who please, Brian please, Benben is? Please, please. Please do. Yeah. Because this is so – this is the longest tail fucking anecdote of all time. When, a, when AOL started, okay, someone on AOL – I assume it's someone at the company because there was no third-party developers at that point – created a Kevin Bacon game on AOL that okay. they like did every week or every day. And the first name on this Kevin Bacon game – that they ever did was Brian Benben, who I didn't know what he was. So I probably had to go to like whatever the search engine was, like fucking Lycos or like Hot Alta Dot, Vista. Alta Vista, who knows, to figure out who this Brian Benben character was, and it never left my mind. But um, Craig Bierko, he's an actor. Obviously, someone thought Roland Emmerich thought this guy might uh, might have a future as a big time movie star. He was. He did have an arc on Sex in the City. He had like a three or four episode arc on that. For again, I mean, this is I'm you know yeah, this is yeah. the most he, of his like stardom that I can squeeze. You look him up, and he danced around a ton of television in yeah. the nineties, late eighties, nineties, two thousands. He's just one of those guys who just got yeah. a lot of uh, got a lot of guest star roles and never really found his um, his starring vehicle but uh this movie this movie in a world without the matrix might have had a bigger cultural imprint 
Yeah. I would, I would, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I, re- I remember when this film came out. I remember I watched it on DVD around the time of its release. I couldn't really tell you why, if I'm being honest. I think I kind of, actually, I, I, I take that back. I think I kind of had a bit of a crush on Gretchen Maul, if I'm being completely frank. And I feel like that's probably why I watched it. Um, it left zero impression on me. The, the Really, the only thing that, that I vividly remember is basically the poster art but that wireframe of when he gets to the edge of the of the sort of reality that he's in and you see sort of that like green kind of wireframe like you're inside a computer game computer what have you um and i remember thinking oh that's kind of cool and that i mean basically is the only thing that i can really that i really kind of held on to but i also remember it's produced by um roland emmerich and um and his producing partner whose name escapes me dean devlin i believe dean devlin dean devlin didn't produce oh so he's not involved in this i don't know why just roland okay this is just roland emmerich and it's roland's company centropolis and a bunch of yeah and a bunch of other people um and i kind of like Watching it the other day, I was texting with Kenny a little bit about it, and there's some interesting ideas here. Uh, it's it's not like it's certainly not a terrible movie. It's just I really hate to put all of this on Greg Berko's shoulders, but like almost anyone else in this lead role, perhaps this film gets some traction. Am I crazy in, in that assessment? Like he's just you can't hang this movie on him. I think it was a, lo- a combination of a lot of bad decisions. Like, like, there are some really interesting ideas in it. Like, I think there are other stories you could tell in that world with that setup that would be fascinating. But it was like, they made so many mistakes that just as a filmmaker, you're sitting there going, well, why did you do that? You just killed, you just killed this. And why, why did you, why would you do that? Like, wh- and it was just like incompetence across the board on the back of a really good idea. Yeah. I think also, you know, it, it, this movie comes out crazily enough. It comes out right in the Memorial Day corridor of May 28th, which is also truly insane. I mean, this thing, you're not going to hold up against. I mean, we'll talk about the movies that came out on the weekend that it came out in. But, like, this is a, this movie is screaming of, like, October. You know what I mean? Like, put this movie out in October and this movie might have made some money. Yeah. But why would they think that this movie and, and also, I mean, as we, uh, we've alluded to the Matrix, but, you know, the Matrix come out, comes out two months earlier. It is still in the top 10 movies come May 28th. I mean, they couldn't have known that the Matrix necessarily was going to be the huge hit that it was. But like, give yourself some distance from the other <laughs> alternate virtual reality sort of sci fi movie. But anyway, well, what one of two, right? I mean, yeah. Because or one of three, I mean, because as existence is also yeah. playing existence. in the same kind of yeah. 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 kind yeah. of world. So yeah, it's. I mean, I think we can all safely say that when we were, because you know, we're all around the same age, give or take. It feels like when we were growing up, the idea of virtual reality was like everything. <laughs> like it was infused yeah. into so much pop culture that. And I'm not entirely convinced that anyone really capitalized on it. <laughs> like, like the Matrix did in the sense that it went like even farther with it into the actual idea of like layers of consciousness. And and I mean, that's not. I don't even really think that's a virtual reality movie. But I, I don't know where you guys land on that. 
I feel like we've got a little far afield. I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. this is a this is a virtual reality movie. So really, it's a it's a simulation movie. So it, they're two like okay okay real they're two different ideas. Now I have like kind of a hottish take on this, but okay the the philosophy of this movie. It's is just as kind of potent or maybe more potent than what's going on in the matrix. The idea of what makes a sentient being, what makes someone with a soul, what's killing, what's alive, what's not alive, that's some deep shit. Yeah. In the matrix, as anyone who's seen the matrix knows, uh machine programs, the Mr. Smiths of, of the Matrix are never treated as if they're anything other than things that are allowed to be killed because they're just computer bots. In this world, Craig Bierko's character explicitly says all the people within the world of the simulation are actual living things who think they're alive and killing them is the equivalent of killing a person. That is profound to me, particularly in a world where they then find out that they live in a simulation. And they also can feel and breathe. Um, so it does get to this idea that it's not shying away from, that's not accidental or incidental, that of, of what makes someone alive, yep. what makes someone have a soul. This is some of the stuff we were dealing with with the Iron Giant a little bit. Like, it's yeah, – there's you're, a you're, lot here. You're right that it's more – it's more artificial intelligence, and I don't mean the movie necessarily, but the idea of it and what what is what is life, I guess, ultimately, less so than The Matrix, which is much more about. I guess no, that's no, more I, about, like, I, yeah. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like real pedantic here, okay. and uh, The Matrix, I think, is about our artificial intelligence. Okay, and I think it's about a, a distinct difference between machine life. Or, or 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 artificial life and organic life. That I think that the that the matrix is explicitly explicitly um, puts one on a higher plane of existence than the other. Humans are better than machines. The Terminator. Humans are better than machines. Machines are not real. But if you think about the Iron Giant, the Iron Giant is explicitly saying the Iron Giant is as valid as a human. It has a soul. A human has a soul. This is about simulation theory, which is different from, which is different from artificial intelligence. And I'll, uh, the, the the specific difference is this: in Thirteenth Floor, the simulation is controlled by people. People are the ones who created it. Okay. In Ma- the Matrix, the simulation was created by. Artificial intelligence. No, I, I I get that distinction. I'm I'm speaking more to the idea of that the that the that the people within the simulation of Thirteenth Floor are also constructs. Like they're not actual people, right? Like they are sort of electronic manifestations of people, right? I, it doesn't really answer that question. Like okay. that's one okay. of the things. That's irritating about the movie i mean with the ending of it it, with with him being transferred like it seems like they are full active you know human minds without a physical body because if you can take his consciousness and put it in future cred birko and it's fine like that's a person that's a person that didn't have a body right 
Except there's yeah. all right, so it, this is so hard, right? But but this is like kind of what 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 I love about it. It doesn't answer the question. I agree with that almost on purpose. You guys, I hate to evoke Elon Musk, but I think <laughs> yes, he I, is a construct too. I'm I, pretty I, sure. I think, <laughs> I, think I, I I think unfortunately he's the one who said this, and I, I need to bring it up. So the idea is, are you familiar with? It, it, there's someone else actually who, who came up with this theory. Elon Musk just believes it very strongly. Um, we are almost definitely living in a, sim, a, a simulation, and the theory being, okay. if you believe that we as humans are going to be creating simulations that are as uh, that, that 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 are that are that are self-functioning, right? That we can create simulations with artificial intelligence within the world of the simulation and people within the simulation do not know that they are in a simulation. So essentially an ultra high functioning version of the Sims where like people within it don't know. It. So if you believe that's possible and that's likely and that's going to happen, then the chances are we are not the prime existence. That there is someone above us who has simulated um. us. Okay. All right. So there's a one in you know, a trillion billion chance that we're the primes, but in all likelihood, we are not the prime existence. Now, I think that's an oversimplification. It only takes one thing into account and presumes too much about you know what we want to do as people. And I, my, my basic theory about philosophy in general is humans only know like one millionth of one percent of what's actually happening. So I don't think too hard about this stuff. Right. Right. But. <laughs> But I, I, I would argue that I think it's simulation on top of simulation on top of simulation that even the world at the end that he's in with Gretchen Mull where his consciousness gets uploaded right. into another body is probably also another simulation. It feels um, like they're kind of hinting at that, right? With the way with the, the ending, goes, yeah. With the I think so. Okay. Um, so I think that it's really just life. Not to, I mean, this movie kind of asked for it. Is uh, is not worth thinking too hard about whether you're a simulation or whether you're artificial intelligence or whether you're someone's dream or whether you're actually you know flesh and blood. It's it's it it it's only what it's only what you can feel and see and observe and and grasp in the moment that makes you alive. But that's the best I can do. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't disagree with with any of that. I mean, I think that the you know as we said earlier, I think the film raises some some really profound ideas and and it's and it's a you know, it's a pretty stylish movie that's like you know doing some cool stuff I, I i don't i mean i do feel like it's a little tropey to go back to the 30s or to have that kind of component to it i, I you know I, I think about stuff like uh the the holodeck episode of star star trek the next generation um you know i i, I think it's cool i think the 30s and 40s are cool so i i get why they did it and it's where Armin Mueller-Stahl was born so I guess he has some sort of an affinity for that time period. I mean it's all very it's all very stylish. It all looks pretty cool all things considered. Um, I guess I just and I said this to Jessica before we got on mic but like I'd be lying if I said that I was a little confused from time to time as to who was in whose body and what level of, of the simulation we were in Um you know, I, I don't. I don't want to. You know, it's not worth lingering on that point. But I'll just say that 
I was a little confused. I might be dumb though, so that's cool. I'm fine with it. Um, but yeah, it's it's just sort of. I'm just not entirely convinced that the film really lands its thesis as as well as Kenny articulated moments ago. Well, I want to hold off for a second. Okay. Because I don't even know what its thesis is. Like, I, that's, <laughs> I, 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 think that, I think that's kind of – I'm not presenting a thesis. I'm presenting like a premise. So I don't really know what its thesis is. Like, I think that is part But I'm of not sure that it – I'm saying what you just said earlier articulates – Something that I'm not sure the film articulates, whether or I, not it's a thesis or not. I have a, a, a feeling on that, which is um, I think it was out of its time when it comes to simulation theory. I don't think okay. people were talking about this the same way that they talk about it now, sure. particularly in the last like three years when you have this like memification of the idea that we are living in a simulation because things have gotten so fucking out of whack that where people are just <laughs> saying obviously this is a simulation gone wrong and that's led to a, that's led to a lot of like online yeah. you know kind of curiosity about simulation theory and stuff like that but i want to hold off i'm ha- obviously happy yeah, to okay. talk about this shit all day but when jessica when you were like uh when you were talking about how it made all the mistakes and and the uh you know the the whys and the hows and the what have you of this movie what 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 was top of mind when when you were saying that? And I say that you know as a neutral question. I I did not think this was a particularly good movie. It it's just it's it's hard to boil down to any one thing. There were just so many things that were slightly questionable. It I, I watched it with my husband, and we both kind of just kept saying like, "This is like if you gave." a brand new film school graduate $16 million. Like it just, it had a lot of shots that there was no point to. Like the thing that immediately comes to mind to me is why did he have to take his shoes off every time he got in the machine? And why was that highlighted with shots every single time they did it? It meant nothing. It had no significance. It wasn't interesting as a choice. It was just weird. And, and like, and so much of the movie was like all of these things where it's like they're making choices and I'll always appreciate a movie that tries to take a big swing over one that plays it safe. But like nothing added up to anything. I mean, it was very much like something that kept cracking me up was that every time people would just, you know, go to the end of the world or figure out they're in a simulation, their reaction was like, huh. And like, <laughs> as opposed to like any, anything significant. And yeah. it felt so much like that was the movie. It's like, it's like the person came up with this idea that was like, well, what if everybody in a simulation was actually real? Huh? And that's it. And then they never thought further about the implications of that or the ethics of that. Really? Like it just stopped at the initial concept. And it felt like that kind of across the board in almost every department of the film. It does kind of feel like like a not great episode of Black Mirror at times. Yeah. You know, where where it's just sort of like and and listen, I, there are Black Mirror episodes that I absolutely adore. Um and then there are some that I just plain don't like. I think the show's a little hit or miss, but at the very least I feel like with each episode they dig pretty deep. Like they at least try to kind of unpack it in some way. This to your point feels a lot like um you know, a college grad or a film student that got high one night and was like, what if? And everyone's like, yeah, what if, man? So, what all if? right, a couple of things. <laughs> agree, with agree with everything you guys said. Uh, yeah. Part- yeah, like particularly what you're saying, Jessica, like 
there's a there's a lot of I there's a lot of things I felt like uh, stuff you write when you're really young, uh, you know, yeah. stuff you write when you're really young. Like I should give this guy a quirk. He takes off his shoes, but you learn pretty quickly that that most movies that have characters with quirks have them for narrative reasons. Um, so it does have have that kind of vibe. I would say this movie is based on a novel. So it's not, you know, someone's high idea. Uh, it might have been someone's high idea in 1964 when the novel came out called Cron 3. But uh, it was based on a novel. It was made as a 1973 movie, a uh, German movie, which called World on a Wire, which seems insane to me. Um, it, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys, like, pretty strongly that this is not as good as it could have been. If it were an episode of Black Mirror, it would be the worst one they've done by a mile. Um, it would be like the the death knell of the franchise, where you would say, "What has happened to my my Black Mirror that generally knows what to do with an idea like this?" Because I would say this movie doesn't know what to do with an idea like this, which is its fatal flaw. Right in the end of yeah. the day, you have this idea, and the thing about this is, I as I said. I think this premise is equal to or better than the premise of the Matrix. The difference is the execution of the Matrix and the philosophy of the Matrix and the character development of the Matrix and every everything of the 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 emotion of the Matrix, every other element of the Matrix, including the way it plays with its with its you know uh, inciting incident premise idea, uh, is brilliant and perfect and it is my favorite movie of the year thus far so i i certainly show no shade at that movie this idea is a little more interesting to me uh because i could believe it could happen because it actually speaks to like what i feel about the nature of existence because it's kind of less about enslavement and more about you know opening your mind to possibilities um and it's potentially you know it's really I think about like validity a lot. Validity a lot. Like, if you are living in a sim- simulated world, uh, why is that less valid than living in the world we are now? Why is it less valid than living, you know, uh, having your head put into something and enjoying it like that? I, I think that that stuff is kind of interesting, and I do think it, it offers a less judgmental view of this kind of world. Um, because I, of the, I, yeah. there's so much about its execution that's garbage. I completely agree. <laughs> I think that I think Craig Bierko obviously was you know either miscast or the only guy they could afford. Um, and I think that uh, I think that the choice of 1937 LA, while being like kind of my favorite place to hang out in the world, um, truly like I nothing more than like pre-war Hollywood like kind of gets me in the field so to speak mm-hmm. and they did some stuff i'd never seen before la cienega before it was built up how cool is that with the oil derricks like that's cool shit but um it had this like distinctly spielbergian vibe yeah, the, yeah. like like the john williams score and the way yeah. it was shot that the whole thing felt so totally bizarre um yeah, it's yeah, I, I fully agree with you. The score in particular is really doing like way too much work. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really too much. And I, you know, and I think yes, like what they – sorry, Phil. I think what they really wanted was more of a noirish vibe, right? Like I think that's what they were going for and like like still romantic but yep. not romantic like, like uh, this – I don't know. It felt like Indiana Jonesy. It felt like that kind of like, look at this world we've built. Look how beautiful it is. Or, or, or not a Spielberg movie, but like Rocketeerish or all the Spielberg knockoff stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I really think what they wanted was that old Hollywood vibe. You know, that double For sure. Vibe, that Raven Chandler vibe. So, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I feel like, so, um, I don't know if you, I don't think you watched Fringe, Kenny, and I don't know if you watched Fringe. Jessica. I didn't. Uh, I they did it. a of Fringe. Cool. Um, so there was an episode in the season two called Brown Betty where um, they do a whole uh, film noir kind of thing um, where Walter's telling a story to a kid. So whatever. But um, it, it, it it's playing in the same sort of sandbox. It also, you know, I, I not to not to beat the Black Mirror thing uh, to death, but um, San Junipero does what this kind of wishes it could be doing on a certain level like San Junipero is about this idea of like you know an afterlife within some sort of a simulation and what have you Um, that's obviously much more of a love story and it's much more about sort of identity you know and and gender fluidity to some degree and, and all that sort of stuff but this film feels like it has no kind of patience to stick with an idea for p- particularly long. It's really kind of bouncing around yeah. a whole bunch of things, um, which is also uh, a bit of a, obviously a bit of a problem. Um, I just want to give a synopsis real quick to our listeners who um, might not have seen it. A man awakens to discover a bloody shirt in his house and his boss murdered the night before. Did he do it? Why can't he remember? The 13th floor tells a story of a computer scientist running a virtual reality simulation of 1937 as he quickly becomes the prime suspect when his colleague and mentor is murdered. Uh, It's a sci-fi thriller that explores the ominous possibility of computer simulated universes where people only believe they are real. It was written by Joseph Rusnak and Ravel Centeno Rodriguez, I believe, yep, that was uh, and uh, and directed by Joseph Rusnak. Uh, it opened on May 28th, 1999, in fifth place behind Star Wars Episode One: Notting Hill, The Mummy, and <laughs> Entrapment, our favorite our favorite movie oh, that we did earlier. So, so we have that. that. Uh, it would go on to make $18.5 million on a $16 million budget. It's got 30% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 64 from audiences. I could not find uh, Roger Ebert's review, but I was able to find a snippet of his three out of four star review for this film where he says, a marvelous film right up until its inappropriate ending leaves you feeling betrayed. Sure. Uh, the New York Times said it was a stylish but overplotted and ultimately illogical combination of science fiction, mystery, and romance. Um, I, I, you know, not, not to underline this again, but Star Wars Episode One, Notting Hill, <laughs> The Mummy. What are you doing? Why do you think this movie can perform against those movies? Is just bonkers to me. But anyway, nah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that, you know, they just they thought they had a they thought they had a really cool premise and they thought people were going to come out for that. I guess I really don't know. Or they just, quite frankly, knew that that it wasn't going to work and they just kind of dumped it and hoped that they could uh, that they could, you know, figure it out. But, um, you know, the, the, the critics roasted it, except for Ebert. Um, 
you know, what's interesting is, do you, I don't know if you remember this, Kenny, but I think it was in the mid nineties. Do you remember Dark City? Do you remember that, yes, that movie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Favorite movie. Ebert fucking loves Dark City. Like it's yeah. like he loved that movie. There's a little bit of Dark City in this movie. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And I can see him sort of the the him kind of latching onto that. That's my that's my assumption. I love big swings. Yeah, sure. So I, I. Lo- I I'll take this over you know a boring fucking movie any day of the week. I, sure. I I was I was into it. I was somewhat riveted. I obviously they didn't stick the landing or stick the second act or stick the first act, but. <laughs> Were, any of the stages know, there were ideas there were ideas here that yeah. were that were cool but i, I yeah. think that like you know jessica kind of nailed it to me when she said no one seemed to be uh caught off guard when they find out they're in a simulation <laughs> kind, kind of a big deal right pretty big deal pretty big deal kind of a big deal i mean there's an existential thing here that just doesn't happen in this movie um that would have to happen in this movie particularly one that Traffic so heavily on emotion. This is about this is about losing father figures. This is about fake daughters. This is about inheritance and legacy and uh, love and abuse and like there's a lot of things here that um, they give lip service to and then are afraid to actually like dig in any deeper. So again, this is a noble failure to me. Um, oh, probably for sure. Made, for sure. Probably made by people who tried their fucking hardest and went about as deep as they were able to go you know it's interesting oh the the other thing i would say is it's this happens every once in a while where you have uh this movie came out what six weeks after the matrix right something like that or two months after yep yep Uh, aside from being so similar you know thematically and all that um the the visuals in this movie uh, are from a hundred years ago compared to the matrix. And that really probably hurt it as well. You, you know, not only like, I think we're audiences like, yeah, we were kind of just there. You see an ad for this with the, 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 the visuals out of Tron. And I think you're like hard pass. on that. I mean, I would, I would even argue that when they, that whole like sort of CG tunnel that they go in when they're, about to, when they're kind of jacking into whatever it's, it's at a Stargate, which is probably like, you know, six, seven years earlier, which, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's just, and it's a loop as well that they use several times in the movie. They don't even really give you any sort of a, a different angle at it. You know, what's interesting is that when we just thinking about all the movies that we've, that we've talked about thus far, you know, we're talking about the matrix, we're talking about San Junipero, dark city, even Gattaca to a certain degree also feels a little bit like it's in this world yeah all of those things are fearless like if you're going to to go into this realm right with big ideas um not just sort of big ideas in terms of filmmaking but big ideas in terms of consciousness and in terms of you 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 have to like you really it's not even about nailing the landing but like you just really have to dedicate yourself towards really understanding the ideas or at least sort of unpacking them in an interesting way and i'm just not convinced that this film ever really dug beneath the surface of these ideas but what did, what did you think Jessica yeah no I mean I had pretty much exactly the, the same reaction to it it's it's hard to like I don't want to I don't want to make fun of it because on the one on the one hand I do like admire that they were willing to make this movie and then it got funded but it was just like I just think the ideas I, I don't even think it was a lack of fearlessness I, I think it was that they were their capabilities were just exceeded like even something as basic as like why 1937 1999 20 
37. What do those have in common? And like, there's a theme that goes through of deja vu and people recognizing each other. And it's like the the detective in the 1990 stories is basically a noir detective, but like, but why specifically those years? Why does it matter? Like they couldn't even connect the dots on something that thematically important to put together. And and it, that just kind of seemed like the, the issue with the whole movie. It was just over and over again. It's like, well, you're this could be interesting, but you're deliberately making it not. It, it's like a first draft of everything. The really interesting ethical question that is raised at the very end, and I think is probably the most interesting thing in the whole thing, is the ethics of Gretchen Maul intentionally having her husband transplanted into a body so she can murder him and bring back her lover in his body. Now, given the Wonder Woman 84 argument that's been going on the last couple months about consent and body swapping, like, yeah. holy crap, that's a whole, yeah. there's a whole version of this movie where Gretchen Maul is the antagonist and is setting this up to murder her husband. I'm okay with her murdering her husband, but... Um, if well, he is he's, he's abusive and terrible. And right, but like it, it begs the question, what were the simulations for? If the whole ethical argument in the movie is that her husband got in there and started killing people for fun and the other guy was sleeping with young girls, like, have these people ever played a video game? What the fuck were they supposed to be using these for? Like, this is 99. Shadowrun was out. You know, video games, simulation video games were already happening and people were using them to kill people and have a lot of sex. And it's like, what was the point of the simulation? What was the intended usage of it? That's well, never that's even a big asked. Problem. Yes, that's a, you're, that, that, that's a big problem. <laughs> this is a situation. I, I mean, and this just speaks to, again, being a little over their skis, not having a lot. $16 million is not exactly the big, the big budget you need for a movie like this. Sure. But it seemed like... They had a multi-billion-dollar, world-changing technology run by three guys on the thirteenth floor of a random building for no real reason. <laughs> for, no, for no real reason, it's, I, I to go in there and hang out. I mean, like it's it would have cost less to build Westworld, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, is another one. Is another, they, one of- yeah. another one. Yeah. Westworld's you know, central thesis is what's real, what's a soul, what 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 makes for a valid human uh, or a valid you know sentient being, I guess. Um, so I, I yeah, I think that they 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 had to, they they had the hardest part. They had an interesting idea, and they flubbed on all the easy things. All the questions that anybody would ask, like, okay, why is it here? Okay, how does this connect to these people? Okay, what do they, what do they, what do they feel when this happens? And then how does that have? These are obvious questions. So it's a weird thing to see a movie that is is made by uh, people who obviously were ambitious, and then not have anybody involved in the project being like, yes, but that's not enough. There's there's so many like places in the story that you can poke at it and it totally falls apart and makes no no sense it, it's just like they just never bothered to, to do any rewriting whatsoever and, and yeah it lives in this almost uncanny valley in, in terms of the in terms of the way i received it which is like good science fiction is really as as good as the medium gets that's like why this medium exists 
bad science fiction is the funniest, most horrible shit we have. <laughs> that's wonderful. Like, you know, bad science fiction, that's where the jokes lie. This is like to me, it's not a lot to make fun of even. Yeah. And it's not even boring. It, it's like it's just kind of like it's 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 not particularly competent, but it's not, you know, completely uninteresting. It, it is like yep. a weird kind of movie that there's a reason that like it kind of did disappear because a movie like this, like take Lawnmower Man for for instance. Lawnmower yep. Man is a much dumber movie than this. <laughs> but Lawnmower Man has had a has had a far greater cultural impact than this. Why? I would argue that virtuosity has a bigger impact than this movie. <laughs> I think it does too. <laughs> I, I you know, it's 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 really I, I I couldn't agree with you more, Kenny. That like I wasn't bored. I was like at no point was I just like Ugh, I want this movie to be over. But I also would be lying if I said that I was fully engaged with it because I don't think that the film really lets you in because I don't think it fully knows what it's doing. Um. So you're just kind of in. You feel like you're in the simulation watching this movie. <laughs> oh my god, that's like, its greatest trick. <laughs> its greatest trick is it makes you so, feel like you're in a simulation. <laughs> I just, it's bizarre. It, it's you, you, I, and and again, like I can't really, I can't really knock it because, as we've said, like it's it's trying to do certain things that are worthy of trying. I, I just, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, I would also say too, I just want to take a quick second here. Cause this is the third Gretchen Maul film that we've covered in 1999. Uh, she's in cradle will rock. She's also in sweet and lowdown. Um, and she's in this film, she's in a fourth film, but I, I never heard of this film. So I don't, I don't know what it is, but do we all remember when like Hollywood was really trying to make Gretchen Maul a thing? Like when she was a sure. bit of an it girl for a second, I remember her on the cover of Vanity Fair. Like I remember, sounds like, sounds like, like you remembered it, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I say that in the sense that every now and then Hollywood's like, "This is the it girl," right? And they put her in a bunch of stuff. And like I think of, um, oh my god, why can't I think of her name now? She was in the the remake of Sabrina, Julia Ormond. Like when they like pick someone out of, for all intents and purposes, obscurity. They think that she's attractive. They put her in a bunch of stuff and it's all not very good. And then her career's kind of over. Yeah. And I feel like she reemerged in Boardwalk Empire, you know, about 10 years ago or whenever it was. And she's really good on Boardwalk Empire. Like she's and she's in that Betty Page biopic as well. Like she's actually a good actor. And it's I such think she's a good shame. As well. I think she's good in this too. It's just, it's just unfortunate that it feels like, and this is, I mean, God, there's, there's innumerable women that this has been unfortunately done to where it's like, you're pretty, here's a bunch of stuff. Oh, wait a second. That stuff wasn't good. So it's your fault. And then we're, we're, you know, chew you up, spit you out thing. But you know, what did we, what did we think of her in this film? Cause I thought she actually did a pretty good job in this film in terms of, she might be the most complex character in the movie, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, it's a role that was tailor-made for her. She has a very specific look, which is that she looks like someone from the 20s and 30s. And, you know, I think part of the problem with her career was that... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For like from 2000 to, you know, 2010 or so, we weren't making a ton of period movies. That yeah. seems to have been more of a thing in the last decade. And if there were more things, it could have been she's a flapper in the 20s or yeah. she's whatever, you know, more prestige TV that went to that thing. She might have stayed alive throughout that era. But also, you know, she hit 30 and. And, and then Hollywood was done with her. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, I mean that was true of so so many actresses, but that particularly in that era that just disappeared. No, for sure. No one more than Gretchen Moe, I think, fit this yeah. it girl. Let's you know, let's put her. Let's like basically you know raise her up the flagpole, see who salutes, and if no one does, we'll get rid of her. Um, I think she's the one. I think she's the one people think about more than anyone when you think about that. And yeah. uh, you know, weird. I don't know, a, a weird relic of kind of a, a, a darker time. Not that we don't do that anymore, but it was it was even more kind of kind of kind of factory farmed. Yep. Than, no, than for the, sure. Well, she and it, you know, I, I she's in a lot of movies in a short period of time too, and it feels like the the inverse of this is you know what happened to Jude Law in like the early two thousands, right? Where like he had that one year where he was literally in like five or six movies. It was something insane like that, and they were just Hollywood was determined to make him something, and ultimately that never really came to fruition. But he's turned into a really interesting actor because he's been given because he's a white man. He's been given a million opportunities. No, Jude, Jude Law, Jude, Jude Law, Law's is great. I'm not I'm not saying Jude Law is a great actor. It's just not the same. It's a, man. Just, well, no, I'm I, I'm not saying it's. I'm not trying to make it a one to one. I just think that there is there's something to be said for the fact that obviously men are given more opportunities than women. Their their careers are allowed to evolve in different ways. Is more of what I'm getting at. And I don't mean to suggest that Jude Law isn't a great actor. I love Jude Law, but I just no, think there, that there, like, there's another part of that though that I would say, which is go for it. Men are just uh, given better roles because because Hollywood writes better roles for men usually. Or they have been over the last 20, 25 years. Jude Laws, you know, if you look at Jude Laws' filmography, the five films you're talking about, those are all lead and, you know, co-lead roles. Mm -hmm. Gretchen Mole was cast over and over and over again as the girl, as the girl, the love interest, but almost never given layers. Almost never given, like, oh, this movie, almost never given layers. So, you know, you you somehow have to pop uh, when you're basically just, told to stand there and look pretty and uh that's not particularly fair either i mean you know if, if jude law and i don't think he sunk i don't think you did either but if jude law jude law sinks or swims it's entirely on his own merits that point you get five shots in a lead role yeah we we have a pretty good idea whether you can carry a movie at that point no for sure i it's yeah i mean i i i I don't mean to create a false equivalency between these two actors. I don't but think I, you're I, saying, I, but yeah. But I, I just think there's. I just think it's. Um, I agree with you, Kenny. That 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 Gretchen, for whatever reason, feels like the perfect distillation of this phenomenon, um, and it's 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 a bummer because in this film and in and in many other things, she's proven herself to be a really rich, really interesting actor. 
um, and it just didn't seem to didn't seem to sort of click. Now, in a completely different track, Vincent D'Onofrio's <laughs> career <laughs> is something to behold. I mean, it is that that guy and what he's sort of. He, I don't know. I find his. I find first of all, I find him just fascinating. Just, just in general, I think he's a really interesting guy. But like, I'm just pulling up his filmography here just to to walk through it very, very briefly, just to, you know, for what it's worth. But like, you know, he's obviously in Full Metal Jacket. That's when he gets everybody's notice. At that point, it's very early in his career. He's Thor in Adventures yep. in Babysitting. I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> He's super hot. He, yeah, I mean, I know he looks so good. It was weird. Yeah, then, you know. Then you've got Mystic Pizza. You've got a, you know a bunch of other things. He's in the player. He's great in the player. Is the guy that that uh, that uh, Tim Robbins kills. Um, he's Orson Welles in Ed Wood. Um, he's in Strange Days briefly. Uh, he starts to sort of turn into a different human, though. Like Men in Black feels like a turning point when all of a sudden he becomes like some other creature of some sort and he starts just doing really weird shit um you know this is sort of you know it's a few years after men in black obviously men in black is 96 this comes out in 99 shortly after this film he does the cell and this feels like a prequel to the character from the cell he's literally like he's got the the weird blonde hair i mean he's a serial killer in the cell but like he's playing such a i don't know uh have you guys seen the cell no, I saw it. I saw it in theaters, so I haven't seen Same. it in a year. I remember it. The cell, you, you should watch the cell, Jessica. I'd be curious to hear your it's thoughts. Probably on not going to happen, <laughs> but okay. It's well, a very, very strange movie. But it's an I don't interesting know. movie because for a lot of reasons, I, I remember not hating it and kind of being yeah. scared of it, even though I was, you know, eighteen. Yep. But uh, it's funny that that, that moment in J Lo's career. Before, like, she decided I'm J-Lo and I'm going to be J-Lo, when when she still kind of let Hollywood do what they want with her, it's a very weird performance. Um, The three actors in that film are J-Lo, Vince Vaughn, and Vincent D'Onofrio. Those are your three leads. Like, what movie does, like... That, that makes. By the way, Vince Vaughn too. Remember when Vince Vaughn used to be like, "Yeah, we're not. You're pretty good looking. You can yeah. play off most of the you know, leading ladies of the day. Like, it doesn't matter if you're funny. Go into this fucking movie and make sense. <laughs> go go uh, be in that shot for shot remake of Psycho. What uh, What I couldn't believe about Vincent D'Onofrio in this in in the 1990s yeah. setting in this movie was that he looked the way they styled the character looked so much like Philip Seymour Hoffman in Twister. <laughs> and then suddenly I was like, now imagine Philip Seymour Hoffman in this role. Yeah. That would be way better. better. That would be <laughs> so much more thought, interesting. I thought Vincent D'Onofrio was great in this. Am I crazy? But I, thought, he, I thought he was finding, like, finding little moments that, uh, that, that were so much stronger than the rest of the film. He wasn't oh, I liked that, him in it. Yeah. But like him and Craig Bierko had the same problem, which was that when they were body switched – there was no change to their mannerisms. There was the only one who did it was Gretchen Maul. Like her character, when you when you meet her body switched finally, is totally different. Talks different, looks different, moves different, everything. Vincent D'Onofrio in 1937 was identical to, except his hair was shorter, to 99 one. And it's like, why would you? I don't know whether that's the actors or the directors, but they, there was no choice made. They yeah, were the same true. people. That's true. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought Birko was was okay when he got when the when the bad guy went into him. I thought that was a pretty good choice, yes, um, yes. a pretty interesting kind of 
narrative choice to have the bad guy go into your lead uh, and not have your lead have the ability to vanquish him. That was kind of like unexpected. But True. Uh, it made me think of Twin Peaks weirdly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. when, when Bob goes inside Cooper at the end of, uh, yeah. of season oh, yeah. two. Where you're just like that's a, I mean to your point, Kenny. Like it's a cool choice, and it's it's a it's it's a way to put your hero in jeopardy that you don't see very often, which was cool. It, it is, and it's all it's it's a way it's a way to elevate you know the Gretchen Mull character and to protect your hero too, in a way where you can have Gretchen Mull ultimately vanquish the villain without having your guy stand by and do nothing. Or be a damsel in distress. Like, it just kind of worked well in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that, like, I feel, again, like, it does feel like <laughs> all right, the least cool thing in filmmaking is doing things because they're cool. Mm-hmm. So that's what this movie felt like. That there were a lot of ideas they had. They're like, wouldn't it be cool if? Wouldn't it be cool if? And ultimately, like, this is not a cool movie. Like, there's nothing cool about this movie. This movie is, like, almost like, dripping with uncool right (laughs) because there's no connective tissue there right like um but like yeah there are some interesting ideas like i do think this is like an interesting way to kind of wrap this movie up and then i think the the thing at the end is you know i i don't really have a huge i don't have a huge problem with with the way it resolved i didn't feel betrayed at all i think that i think that kind of thing bringing a character from another plane of existence be it a simulation or we see way far more often like a movie you know like purple rose of cairo type shit into your plane of existence and then living together we're seeing it in fucking wandavision right now uh living together in harmony is uh is is, is kind of a lovely idea i kind of like that idea so i liked that idea i objected to the fact that it was only 25 years in the future that seemed really stupid. Like Gretchen Mall would have been alive when yeah. the 1999 stuff was going on. What? Why not make it? You know, why are we not in 2320? Why are we 25 years later? And LA looks compl- like they're living in a sea castle it's like a land. Jetson. It's like the Jetsons. It's like yeah. What, what, it's, yeah. I don't know. I think about that shit all the time. If you, if you said something, <laughs> if you, I mean, I'm not. I'm not arguing for it. I'm just like, if you said something right now in 2050, LA. Yep. Would you have it look pretty much what it looks like now with more smog? <laughs> I don't know. Like you, you'd have it. You'd have it. That was twenty five years ago. Like I think they thought that like we would have done better. Right now. <laughs> 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 we just ninety nine. We'd heard of climate change. We knew things were going to get problematic. I don't know. I also want to say too, like his apartment at the beginning of the movie. When he, it, it's like he's living in some sort of an Egyptian modern something yes. or other, where I was just like, "What? Who had an apartment like this in '99?" Would have been a hit, Phil. It wasn't R ninety nine. It was a simulation. <laughs> I think that I, I don't think I don't think that that's that's insignificant. I thought the same that's thing. That's fair. My that's first, fair. My first note was, "Does this take place in the future?" Because like it made yeah. it was absurd, and then he had a voice answering machine. Yeah. He, had an actual, yeah. Yeah. he had an actual hit the button, listen to it, you know, yeah. out loud answering machine. Again, like, this is absurd, except I think they, if it was a great movie, it would have been acceptable. They would have covered their tracks with this idea of, like, this isn't our actual reality. But it's not. They, it's I a, mean, I, I just yeah. think it was an act. Um, 
so let's just let we're, I just want to talk about Armin Mueller Stahl for a second. <laughs> Please do. Because first of all, I, I love him. He's he's great in the game. I love the movie Avalon. We're going to be covering uh, Liberty Heights at some point, which is part of that Barry Levinson yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore universe. Um, and yeah, I just I, I just think it's fascinating that this guy basically like got a career at like it is what like late fifties. It was <laughs> early sixties. Ninety two when he did Shine. It was crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and and it's yeah he's great in Shine as well obviously yeah he's he's just a I don't know I've always really liked him he's he's never really playing I don't I don't know he's obviously acting but like there's something very comforting very sort of like grandfatherly about him but there's a complexity to him I, I just think he's he doesn't really get to do much in this movie unfortunately but um, but he's sort of our way into the film he's the inventor Hannon Fuller is the inventor of this. Uh, newly completed virtual reality simulation of 1937 Los Angeles. Um, he's about to hand over this. He's been doing sort of premature testing, and he hands it over to his protege, Douglas Hall, played by uh, Greg Berko, uh, who's the heir to the company and becomes his prime suspect when um, Armin Mulishtal is murdered. Um, we <coughs> then you know, have... Still, you know he's still alive. Murdered is within he? the simulation. I'm just saying in real life, he's still alive. Did you know Oh, that? that's awesome. He is 90 years old. Wow. And uh, I just not to correct you, but just no, looking, no, at, no. looking at his life, uh, it appears that he was really a German actor from a, okay. young, from a young age, right? 26, he does his first film, but they all seem to be German and, and actually French for whatever reason. He was in, he was in Kafka, which oh, is the, the Soderbergh movie. Soderberg. Yeah, oh, that's movie. cool. That's cool. Um, but after that, it really is the first time at least I had ever heard of him was Shine. That was 96. And then he was in that 12 Angry Men mm-hmm. uh, Showtime movie that had all those famous actors in it. You know, Jack Lemmon won yeah. the Emmy Award or, or did it? No, I think he did. I, I think Ving Williams won that Golden Globe. Correct. But, um, but uh, he was in that and then he was in the game that year. And then he really took off as an American actor. Uh, from there, but yeah, it seems that he, you know, almost like Christoph Waltz, like had this very long career before That's awesome. he kind of came over. That's yeah. Um. So then Dennis Haysbert shows up as Detective McBain, and I can only think of The Simpsons when I hear yeah. the name McBain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so he shows up. I, I listen. I like Dennis Haysbert. I don't Haysbert. I, 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 I don't know that like he's necessarily perfectly cast in this role, but. Um, I don't know. He's fun. Did you like him in this, guys? He was fine. He was he was fine. I mean, he yeah. was doing you know he's doing like a deep noir detective impression, and that was enjoyable. But again, he's one of the ones that that finds out he's a simulation and is like, "Oh, are you gonna turn me off? Like, really? You're, you're, you're joking about this?" <laughs> It's like, you know, you know how now like we've all lived through a pandemic in the last four years and everything and we're all getting very blase when something horrific happens like 9-11 hadn't even happened when this movie came out. What the hell was this attitude of total detachment that everybody has? Now I would say, are you going to turn me off? Be like, please turn me off. Yeah, can you reboot this thing, please? Dennis Haysworth obviously is the, the our, our oddest actor. Um, America's oddest actor because this is what I know Dennis Haysbert from. Uh, 
Major League, of course, where he was Pedro Serrano. And then uh, Heat. He was he was in Heat. <laughs> he, was in, he was in Far From Heaven. Yes. Yeah. Wow. He was very good at Far From Heaven. Yeah, he was like the third lead, yeah. and it was a really important role, and it was crazy for me to see Pedro Serrano do that. But I'm pretty sure that came <laughs> after he was David Palmer, where yes. he was America's first black president. Correct. And, uh, um, you know, he paved the way for Barack Obama. Everyone knows that. But... <laughs> But he and now he's now now he's now he's the uh, insurance guy. Yeah, now he's, he's uh, all the yeah. ads, and they call him on the ad. Safe driver, save more. Uh, they they don't even use his real name. He doesn't get a name. Which, of course, is Pedro Serrano or David Palmer? So, <laughs> uh, or Detective McBain. Yeah, or Detective. Detective McBain. He's had this really really bizarre career where he's had a he few has. really iconic roles. He's a very good actor. He has yeah. Sort of Mini voice where he like has done tons of voiceover work because he just sounds like comforting and authoritative, and now he's just a pitch man to the point where the pitches make I mean the commercials make fun of what a pitch man he is. Uh, I, I I can't think of anyone else who's such a bizarre like <laughs> thirty year pop culture career. I don't I don't think a lot of people even know his real name for real life. Do you guys? I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I it's funny because. When he popped up in this, I thought of Major League, which we, which we obviously we covered in our in our eighty nine Patreon, um, and I was just like, this guy's got range, man! Like he really can do all this stuff. I, I it's 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 great. Um, so he shows up, and then and then Douglas meets Jane Fuller, who's the daughter of Armin Mueller Stahl in this simulation, although he never had a daughter, which we find out. There's a very confusing thing where when Jane is explaining it to Craig right. Bierko, she's like, well, he tricked us because he changed his will. And it's like, well, why would you have been in his will to begin with? He didn't have a daughter and he just found out this was a simulation. So what did he change it from? I don't know. The movie, as we got into the third act, all of the walls started collapsing on the logic of this movie and a lot of ridiculous things. Start- like, they were suddenly very, very in love, Jane and Craig Bierko. and were suddenly I, I, very, very in love, yes. There was a line that I wrote down because it, it's just one of the worst lines I've ever heard in, <laughs> in my life. And this is really one of the only things I can make fun of in this movie, which is that... There, Craig Bierko is experiencing deja vu when they're dancing. And she says, they say that deja vu is usually a sign of love at first sight. And I was like, do they? <laughs> like, so when I'm driving down a street and I'm like, hey, it feels like I've been here before. Who have I fallen in love yeah, with? Yeah, you're, 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 you're in love with the chicken shop on the, on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> That's how most people experience deja vu at all. No, I would agree. Yeah, it's it's not not quite, you know, mistletoe is deadly if you eat it because it's even deadlier if you mean it. The the fucking (laughs) best. Not quite that. Uh, Speaking of dancing, we have several famous flapper girls in this in this film. Uh, Shiri Appleby shows up as a flapper girl. Oh, whoa. And uh, and Allison Lohman is also a flapper girl in this movie. So, well, there was an unreal, there was an unreal connection. Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's yeah. That is that's that's funny. That's funny. 
Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it gets pretty convoluted, but they so I mean, Douglas sort of enters the virtual reality. He becomes a bank clerk named John Ferguson. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's I don't it's it's too uh. really kind of convoluted to get into all of it. But I'm my point here is, um, basically Douglas gets wind of the fact that he's in a simulation and he goes to quote unquote the end of the world. Um, and he discovers he sort of becomes uh, he sees this sort of crude wireframe model uh, and realizes that 1999 Los Angeles is itself a simulation and then Jane sort of explains the whole pretty easy to get to the end of that simulation I agree yeah you just had to get basically out of LA and it also begs the question why in God's name would you build a simulation of 1999 Los Angeles Of of that specifically, because you want to—I don't know—do uh, Magnolia. You who is do- who is clamoring to live in 1999 downtown LA? Yeah, I, I don't know who? who 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 is obsessed with 1999. What idiot? Yeah, what a dumb year to, to be obsessed with. <laughs> what a stupid thing. What idiots are pretending like they live in 1999 at all times? <laughs> <laughs> I've spent three years living in 1999. <laughs> All right, so this movie was made for you two people apparently, and no one else in the world. Um, but yeah, essentially, she explains to him um, the whole situation. His world is one of dozens of virtual worlds, but this is the only one in which the occupants developed a virtual world of their own. So, Which is the yeah. idea, simulation theory idea is that we, yeah. you know, worlds on top of worlds on top of worlds. I think there, it stands to, it, it's, it stands to, you know, uh, you know, I'm saying, it stands to reason that their 1999 world or their 2024 world is not the end, that you could build worlds on top of that and worlds on top of that. Right. It's really the way to go. Which is also where I thought they were wrong with the Matrix, but they never actually went there with the Matrix. <laughs> I, I also it doesn't really make sense to me unless you really think Neo is Jesus. But I, uh, I there's another thing that I forgot to mention, which is that at one point when Jane when McBain tells tells Douglas that Jane doesn't exist, he then uh, goes and meets Natasha Molinero, who is working at a grocery store, who is also played by Gretchen Mall. Um, and that's part of the dominoes falling for him in terms of realizing that 99 isn't isn't real. Um, I can't I, figure I, out as we talk yeah. more. I'm like, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> or <laughs> this movie kind of fucking rules. Like, remembering this, remembering this Natasha Molinaro part, yep. again, it's apropos of nothing. Yep. It's like, oh, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say that when I said that de- that plot detail, the look on your face, Kenny, was like you tasted something you didn't like. Like you had, <laughs> you had such a mode of like, oh fuck. Because then I, I, I very quickly, I very quickly did the thing in my head where I'm like, okay, okay, how do you substantiate that? Oh, that's unsubstantiatable. That 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 absolutely makes no. I'm sorry. What exactly were we trying to figure out here? That. You, she like the, the Natasha Molinaro in that world is a like a grifter or a con woman or, or someone who's constantly like assuming identities or works like I, I don't know what we're supposed to think. Uh, nor I mean, nor is that how I think that like they wanted this whole thing to work. Like she, 
again, I, I do actually, you know, as is our tradition on the show and Jessica comes on, uh, I want to talk about another movie at the end. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, Beautiful. I can't wait. You brought up Wonder Woman 84, so let's do it. At the end. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Oh, boy. Of, like, is that what you're doing here? You are, you are kind of, you are kind of portaling into someone's head, being John Malkovich style, who's already there. But what happens to Natasha Molinaro, who just so happened to be a con woman, or and look Gretchen exactly Mall? like Gretchen Mall. And well, she would be your avatar on Earth, I guess. Yeah. But uh, that's not what happened with David, or maybe it is. Actually, I think it is because that's why. Let's keep going. The thing is. <laughs> Um, what I thought of when we see Natasha uh, at the grocery store was that she was um, in Go. In Go, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. That's, we were suddenly in a very different movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Xerxes. I, but it also Xerxes. just speaks to once again, these are bad. Like whoever designed these simulations is stupid because, <laughs> like, at one point, Vincent D'Onofrio transports into his thirty self while he's driving a car. And like, and crashes, right? And if you if you die in that world, you die permanently in your world. So why would you not have set start points like video games had already had for about twelve years? Like this is the thing. Like it's like they had never played a played any kind of a video game in their lives when they made this movie because there's so much stuff that it's like, why would you ever design it to be like? You're designing it. Why would you make it like that? And why would the 199 99 version function exactly the same way as the one made 30 years later by smarter people. These are all good questions. Yeah. Yes. Just uh, movie don't logic don't stuff. This stuff. But I also wonder like why I, I, mean, I was going to respond because it's not a video game but I can't follow that up by telling you what it is. Yeah, what is it? What is it? Again, like, if you're not supposed to kill anyone, you're not supposed to have sex, you can die there, and you have to transport in wherever your avatar is. Like, what the hell is it? What is the point of all of this? Like, there could have been a thing. It would have been real easy in the 99 era for them to be like, we stumbled into this technology, we don't know how to use it, this is so big, we're not sure if we control it, whatever. But they didn't do that at all like it seemed like it was all designed to be this stupid <laughs> it's pretty bad um, <laughs> have you guys seen the trailer for the movie Free Guy you have yeah. Free, so Free Guy I read that script because you know I've messed around with this stuff too my, uh, and decided it's too hard to write this shit but uh, yeah so Free, free Guy will be Interesting because it is a like a funner version or more fun yep. version of this idea. Like a, a you know non playable character within a video game kind of gets sentience and realizes not so much that he's in a video game, but like that it's almost Lego movieish. It's hard to explain what yep. I think is or Wreck It Ralph too. Yeah, yep. a little yep. Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, that too. Um, but I I. I think they, they take it seriously and I do think in the end, the end game of that movie, I'm not giving it away because I don't remember, but I think the end game of that movie is that there's a, a almost Scarlett Johansson Joaquin Phoenix connection between Ryan Reynolds and whoever plays his main uh, you know, kind Jody of, Comer? Jody Comer, yeah, Jody Comer is playing you know, whoever is this main avatar who's kind of the, the best gamer in the world of, of this thing, so I, I do 
you know that is explicitly a video game but also within the world it's it's a weird thing because within the world of this game life goes on yeah and that's i that that's an idea that i think is interesting in and of itself like i get i get the non-playable characters lives going on but what happens to the playable characters in this world you know like this Jodie Comer's character just sleep? Was she doesn't play for three days? Is she just in a coma? Or does she I, I really this is her? It's funny that It's funny that you said, Kenny, that it's too hard to write these because I, I thoroughly agree with you because of exactly what we're talking about right now, which is that these movies beg you to ask these questions and to look under the hood. And if you don't have fucking answers, like this film doesn't have answers you're like well fuck that movie like it 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 had these things have to be built like a swiss watch and they're really hard to do well you also oh go ahead you need a kill switch almost right like it's that's what's like so rough about these movies is like okay i did i went like i went through the all the bullshit of writing one of these movies right where (laughs) where you are where we're like our main character finds out he's in a simulation and he I don't even want to keep it away because I might make it one day. But, but the point is, he finds out he's innocent. Fuck it. No one listens to the podcast. He finds out he's the glitch. In, he finds out he's the glitch in the Oh, simulator. I love this. Fuck. I love this thing. You told me about this. Yeah, it's a fucking there. great idea. He finds out he's the glitch in the situation. And he's the reason that everything's gone haywire. And they have to, like, you know, flip the switch and, the, and, and, and the, the mess with the glitch. But you do, like, the 13th floor, you do, like, almost necessarily wind up in a situation where you're like, well, if they're the simulation, don't you want to meet the people who made the situation? You want to talk about how these two things talk to each other. And like, if the, are the simulation people valid? Are they real? Do you want to? It's, it, 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 that's why when I say you almost need a kill switch, uh, the Matrix kind of did that. The Matrix kind of said like the people or the, 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 creature, the, the creators creating this world had a very specific reason for this world being the way it is and that was to use all the people as batteries they can turn it off whenever they want it means nothing if they do they can build another one if they want they can have 50 more but this is not like built for people for no reason it's a very simple fucking reason so yeah you're right like very quickly these movies turn inside themselves and start pissing you off as someone who is like hellbent on making sense of what you're watching it's it it if the logic doesn't work you just check the fuck out and you're just like well what 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 am i what am i even doing but what you were going to say something uh, earlier Jess i don't know oh yeah i was thinking about this compared to the matrix and i i have not seen the matrix recently but i do think where it dodged a lot of the problems that this has is by allowing there to be a mystical component to it mm-hmm. and like a sense that things were really getting you know, philosophical and that not everything was going to be explained and that there were mysteries within the world because the second you introduce the like, oh, we can't all know everything thing to it, you have a nice little escape route out of, well, why the fuck is this happening? Which I think the the Matrix abused over time. But like, they needed it. And this doesn't, this seems like the makers are totally in control of the simulation and should have all the answers and were not given an explanation as to why any of this is occurring. And that is a problem. Although I have to say, like, on the other hand, I appreciate that this movie is kind of a straightforward 
it takes it like a drama approach to this. It's not trying to be artsy and mystical and out there. And, and I find that more accessible, but you just have to have the answers. And this did not have it's, any of them. It, you know, there's, there's, um, there's soft sci-fi and there's hard sci-fi. And this is hard sci-fi. This is an attempt to say this is what might happen if people really, really were able to create this technology that is theoretically possible. Yeah. So it, it sometimes lends itself to, uh, you know, to boring movies or boring situations. But I think that's that's the situation we wound we we found ourselves in. But I I, I think Jessica, you're you're like you're kind of the the overall point you're making is the reason for being is just not there, and that wouldn't matter so much if we didn't leave this world at the end. But because we left this world at the end, you are begging that question, begging why we did why people bothered making it. Not just that it exists, but why? You could stay within this world all day long and have Gretchen will go into that world and have her live there and then it's not so important. But it's in. Yeah, it's... it's Mark doesn't it's, even want to leave. He never said he wanted to leave. She stole him from that world. And showed her... <laughs> and showed, yeah, he shows zero interest in the fact that he's in a simulation to begin with. He's very accepting of it. Everybody is so excited. Even Gretchen Maul, when she's being chased by her abusive husband, is running away extremely casually. Did anybody get, like, she is just, like, chillingly trying to get away from a guy shooting at her. And, like, yeah, nobody has any desires. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, part of it, too, is the fact that, like, yeah, I don't know. Our lead is so flat too. I, I I don't mean to keep kicking Greg Berko, but it's like he's our he's our hero. He's the person we're supposed to be invested in, and and he really just very flat through the whole thing. Hard hard to like really be sure why you're rooting for the guy, and then obviously he becomes taken over by a monster. So I guess that's there's that too. But. Well, he's great in Unreal as like a as a kind of masochistic, sex addicted asshole, and I sure. think that's what he, I think he's a character actor. That's what he's good at. You don't you don't cast him as deep existential thinking guy. No, I would I would agree with that. I mean, he was nearly Chandler, and you don't you that's don't think crazy. of him. Can you imagine that he was cast? He turned it down. He he was the pick for Chandler on Friends wow. and turned it down and. Wow. That would be a different world. But imagine Matt Perry in this role. It would not be better. No, it wouldn't. Right. So who should it have been? Oh, boy. I mean. I... Tom Cruise probably could have done it. That's what I – I mean, because I think of, like, Edge of Tomorrow, like, something like that. Sure, sure. He's good at sitting and wondering at sci-fi stuff going on around him. It, it, it also – it kind of had a Minority Report vibe, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the the first question was, uh, I may have killed a guy. Like some weird, yeah. you know what I mean? Which is, I think, the minority report question, which is, I may have killed a guy, <laughs> or I might be about to kill a guy tomorrow. Not sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Tom, Tom, if let's say I agree with you, Tom Cruise would have killed it. How many people between Tom Cruise? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah, and I said sixteen million dollars. No way. <laughs> Well, like, the person that kind of, and this is a weird pick, but, like, Nicolas Cage? <laughs> yeah, I, I I, think what you guys are kind of getting at is anyone but Birko? A star? 
It's intensity. <laughs> it's somebody that can play intensity, yeah, like I intensity mean, and obsession, and, and he can't. Spader could have probably done it. It's it, it really. It just needed, honestly. It just needed someone who demands your attention. So let's and, say it was a star. Let's yeah. say it was. I mean, I'll throw someone out there. Like, let's say because he's done some shit, like kind of like this in his life. Like, let's say it was Denzel. Okay. Um, a, does this become like a bigger movie? Like, is this like a, oh, yeah. a thing? You know, like not like a thing like fucking Training Day, but is it a thing like Deja Vu? Probably, yeah. Probably. There's yeah. also, and this is, I mean, I know that this person is not is no one's favorite person right now, but like, there's a Johnny Depp version of this too. You know, that where it, that'd be because that'd be like I, the ninth, that'd be like the ninth gate that we we're just we haven't well, done yeah. yet. But we hate so. <laughs> The night is going to be a, a real ride to go to, out with uh, Johnny Depp and Roman Polanski. That's going to be really oh. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I kind of come back to what I was saying a second ago. Like, Greg Berko does not demand your attention. He does not, he, you are not locked into him. He doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the, the gravity. I mean, truly, it could have been anybody who just demands 10 or 20% more of my attention. Than, and, and this yeah. one might have gone off a lot better but. but it's still an underwritten character i mean like oh, somebody sure. who's better at handling tension and intensity i think would would help but like <laughs> the character at, at one point gretchen mall was like i i fell in love with you in the simulation because of your kindness and your integrity and it's like when did we ever see either of those things expressed in any way shape or form from this character yeah. like that's a big thing to buy at the end of the movie that she fell in love with him by watching him in the simulation also creepy but it's also the definition of of tell not show, right? Yeah. Like you're just literally telling us something about a character that you yeah. have in no way, shape, or form shown us. It could have been. I mean, I'm I'm running through every actor that's ever been in a movie, any of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it could have been. Yeah. So she did her first like kind of big role, Rounders with Matt Damon. Could have been him. Could have been also Matt Damon. Oh yeah. Could have been Ed Norton. Could have been John Malkovich. Yeah. Could have been John Cusack, honestly. Yeah. Oh, Cusack would have been good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Ethan Hawke Hawk yeah. would have been great. Yep. Wood uh, McGregor, perfect. Yep. Jude Law, I would have watched it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't Not believe William. he's smart enough to build this thing. Uh, I can't believe Birka is. I mean, Birka. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you, you know, uh, it's like there, are, there are a lot of, a lot of people who, who really could have, could have done fine with this. Weird Vince movie. Vaughn could have done this in '99, and it might have been more interesting. What about what about? Uh, well, I wish I had the guy's name off the top of my head. What about, what about our, our dude from Always? Oh God, Richard Dreyfus? Oh, the other dude? No. I, oh God, Brad Johnson? Hey, what up, Brad Johnson? <laughs> Maybe he might have been more interesting. But I gotta say, Johnson, the, the characters are are the characters are also nothing. Like you can do the same thing with Gretchen Maul. Any other. Star at the, I mean, put Catherine Zeta Jones in that role <laughs> to go yeah. back to Entrapment. Ugh. Fine, because yeah. it's not. There's not. They're not characters. They're not anything. They're not. But they, this movie was really hamstrung by by just just how blank these all the actors were. Really, though, I think the Nafra was fun, but yeah, yeah, he's not fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, could play the role. You know who, <laughs> who could have been in this too, Kenny? Is uh, your boy Ben Affleck. I thought Affleck too. He's young. He would have been real young at the time. He would have yes. been really young. Yeah. This, this is a very Affleckian kind of performance. 
just staring at things. A uh, fleckian. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, let's let's rate this so that we can talk about Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I saw this in 99, as I mentioned. I, I mean, it left, as I said, very little impression. I gave it I would say I gave it a 40 in 99. Like it didn't it didn't mean much to me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give it before this podcast and after this podcast. I'm in the like high or sorry, low 50s. I'm at like 53, 54. Like I'm not I wouldn't say to a person, don't watch this movie. Like, I don't think that this is a, a do not recommend because it's it's kind of got some interesting stuff in it. It's got some pretty decent performances and what have you. Um, but I, I, I don't think I can go higher than like 54. But uh, what about you, Kenny? I went 55, Phil, so we're in the same neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, uh, it feels right. But, I, but I'm going to go up just a little bit because okay. I, think, I think that – I'm going to go to like 58. I think that there is a um, – there's a utility to this movie. If you are writing or working on a certain type of film, or if you're interested in a certain type of film, or if you're interested in a certain, you know, in, in simulation theory, I don't think that this is without value. Um, I agree with that. Like a, lot, like a lot of movies are. Now, like we said, I don't think it's good, but it does some things really well. It has some really good ideas. I respect the ambition. I respect that, you know, uh, I respect that they seem to really give a shit about what they were doing. You know, like all of the, the all of our foibles with this movie didn't seem to come from uh, a lack of care. It just seemed to come from a lack of ability, which is a sad, horrible thing to say. But what can you do? We're, you know, sad, horrible people. So uh, <laughs> uh, 58, 58 for the 13th floor. I, th- I If you asked me before, I would have thought I would have given it like a 25. So good for that. There you go. Jessica? I I am going to say like a, a, a 49 and a good 40 of those are just because the idea is great and fascinating. And the rest of it is, I actually really enjoyed some of the cinematography in this. I thought they shot downtown LA in a way that looks cooler than 98% of people ever shoot LA. I thought the focus on the buildings and all the kind of like sweeping aerial shots of the buildings were unusual and neat and reinforced like the 30s connection and and the 30s stuff looked pretty good too so i I liked some of the like production design aspects but yeah it 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 just doesn't hold together but i i really appreciate and give a lot of credit for the swing yeah i mean that all that all sounds right to me i mean i i i think we're all hovering in the same area of of having issues with it but but it being definitely the best movie jessica's ever seen yeah it's it's definitely no entrapment all right so what would you give jessica wonder woman 84 i'm so bummed out by that movie i'm so bummed out by that movie like i the big argument over the body swapping thing kind of I, i dismissed because Body swapping is not a real problem, so I don't think consent issues around it are a real... Like, consent issues are a real problem. But the consent issues of someone who's been body swapped is not something that happens. So that I thought was silly. But, like, it just... It just... (sighs) (laughs) I mean, how about... I'm just... I'll just say this. You know, I... um... I, I was surprised a little bit by the reaction to it on, on on film Twitter. I guess is the best way. To, I mean, the online reaction to it was um, a little surprising to me, just because um, I thought it was a pretty silly movie. Like, I, I don't I don't know that I gave it 
as much thought as other people did. And that's possibly my own fault. I mean, I think that there was stuff in it, specifically with the Middle Eastern portrayals and, and yeah. some of that stuff, which is which absolutely is is uh, is problematic. And and they should have known better, and they should have done a better job with that for sure. Um, in terms of like people getting upset about like a magical stone and things like that, I'm just sort of like it's a fucking comic book. Like on some level, you you kind of have to just buy into the ride that they're that they're taking you on or not. Some movies believe you know Nolan's going to ground you in some sense of reality, and some movies are going to be you know more fanciful. Something um, wrong with the magical stone? I agree with you. It's a movie. That magical stone's the least of its problems. I yeah, the, the comic book details of it, I, I didn't really care about. I just didn't understand what the hell the movie was supposed to be about. Right. And I think the two-villain problem was a huge contributing factor to that. And I actually, I really liked the Pedro Pascal stuff. I thought his story, you know, isolated on its own of him being kind of a Donald Trump figure and the whole stuff with his own kid and all of that, I found that kind of empathetic and I was interested and I love him as an actor. So I enjoyed that. But like all of the Kristen Wiig stuff, and I love her, was so bad and so dumb and so lowest common denominator version of what that story could have been and the the concept of Diana's power and how it looks to other people who don't have that power and the corruption of that and all of that, like... It was just stupid, and it had a stupid ending, and the third act totally fell apart. I agree. And I feel bad, because I loved the first movie, and I loved the trailer for this movie so much. I watched it multiple times in the lead-up to it, and this was just... You know, the critique that really hit home was, why was it in the 1980s? And I do not know. There was no reason. They didn't really know either. I mean, this, this... it's interesting because I don't know if you can you listen to the the blank check episode on it by any chance? Yeah, you know? about twenty minutes of it. Nothing against it, you know. I just fall asleep every once in a while. <laughs> I, I I think that uh, um, I liked their episode because I think they were pretty fair about the problems. I think that Griffin had more problems with it than David did, but I I, I think that ultimately. It was a blank check movie, right? Like, Patty Jacobs was basically said, like, you can do whatever you want. And then mixed into that, you have Jeff Johns, who, you know, say what you will, might not be the right person for some of this type of stuff. And, you know, I even think the first movie, as much as I really enjoy it, I think the third act's kind of a mess. But, the the, the fir- you know, the first two acts are really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and I thought this movie started strong. If the If the whole movie felt like her in the shopping mall... Like yeah. then I would said that. Yeah, it would have been it would have been great. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think that this movie is uh I, I first of all, totally you you and I are in total agreement on this, Phil. Like everyone's just cool the fuck out. Cool the fuck out. <laughs> you know, like no, like number one, like just chill out. I mean like and not even on some like it's just Wonder Woman. Like yeah. this wasn't like a super offensive movie. I'm not talking about Middle Eastern stuff. Yeah. This wasn't a super offensive movie. Um, it, it was, it was, there was fun to be had here. And, uh, a lot of the stuff people are pissed about, it was just, it's just fun. Um, I guess like for me, I think the two villain problem was a problem, uh, for sure. Um, but I guess I would not have had Chris Pine go into someone else's body. 
Uh, it was very uh, weird and unnecessary. Unnecessary. Just totally. bring him, bring him back. Yeah. Bring him back, and yeah. and then we don't. Then, then you avoid all the bullshit layer stuff, and you get the most. Like that's a powerful idea. A powerful it's a magical idea. stone. You can bring a guy back. Yes. Yeah. She's grieving. She can't let go. She hasn't moved on in thirty years. She brings the guy back. She realizes that by bringing the guy back, she set the balance. She she set off the balance of the entire world. She has to let him go again. I don't know why. Why even deal with some other dude? That makes no sense. Okay, but that's also that, at the end. Are we supposed to believe that she's like going to end up with the guy from uh, Life Unexpected or whatever his name is? I almost wonder if that part was them realizing that that was going to cause. PR issues and trying to write in a coda where it's like, see, he's fine. He didn't mind. Like, he still thinks Diana's hot. Like, he doesn't see her as a predator who took over his body for a couple of days. Like, because that scene is so strange and out of place and I don't understand. I mean, like, I understand it's trying to show she's moving on and stuff, but like, it doesn't and it's bad. Yeah. It's funny. It has some of that always vibe, Phil, where like yes, at the yes. end, he's like, he's like, choose someone else. How about this guy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can be with someone else. Who's the guy who this body? <laughs> he seems like he's a nice apartment. <laughs> it's so I, ridiculous. I don't know. This is a rare one. Normally, you know, comic book movies, I tend to throw believability out the window and just roll with it. This one had enough logical story, stupid flaws that like they tried to explain away and their explanations were bad that it would, it got your, like I got bored. Cause it was like, you're not even Chris, yeah. Chris Pine is flying a jet yeah. to Egypt with no GPS. He just knows the way to Egypt magically. And the plane never runs flying. out of fuel. I, I totally agree. With yeah. You. But, but I also agree that, uh, I wish the movie never did come out. Because then we would only have the trailer, yeah, and that, and that was a perfect piece of art. It was so. gorgeous. I, w- I have to ask the question though to you guys because it's something that I that I was sort of chewing on as it came out on HBO Max, and we don't need to talk about the HBO Max component of it. But I'll just say this: I, I, I'm if that film came out in theaters like it was supposed to, and everyone got to sit in the theater together and enjoy it or not enjoy it together, whatever the case might be. Does this film have the same backlash? Do people have the same issues with it? Are people frustrated with this, the lot in their life right now of not being able to see movies in theaters and all of a sudden this is a film that people can live tweet every fucking thought they're having while they're watching this movie? Like, it's just, I'm not sure that this film benefited from the release strategy. Like, I think it, it's worth if it's in theaters, but... I, I agree with you. I, I just, I... I you know. No, I think I think the look. I think that you you have to remember that we're still a culture that just destroys female led female led genre movies right. almost every time, no matter what. Yeah. So the fact that that Wonder Woman was able to kind of sneak in under the radar, which is what it did, right? Like, it, yeah, Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman, so it sounded you know female Ghostbusters. There's She's a tertiary character in that Justice League, and she was kind of able to sneak under the radar and surprise people. Uh, Pat, same with Patty Jenkins, who is not, you know, kind of a very prominent. She was not a very prominent director at the time. She directed one really well-regarded movie ten years before, and the whole thing felt like a nice little surprise that fan bros can look at and say, "Look at me! I'm not just an open misogynist. I liked Wonder Woman, but I think." 
that Wonder Woman 84 was set up to fail no matter what, right? It was set up to, it, the bar was very high. And I think a lot of people, a lot of bros on Twitter were ready to kind of shoot it down immediately. So I do think that if it was a big temple, you know, Memorial Day weekend or July 4th weekend film, and it was at this level, and you had a lot of people being like, hey, you know, you're not going to tell me the biggest movie of the year is going to be some chick movie. Um, I think they, I think I think it would have been even worse. And I think if anything, people were a little more open to it because we didn't get shit for a year. So That's that gets a guess. Yeah, I, I I don't. Just what do you think? Yeah. We, I yeah, mean, I, I I don't actually know. What, what, I mean, like I was very predisposed to like the movie. Like we we set up like our big like ten foot projection screen, watched it the day after Christmas. We were super. My my husband was super super excited to watch it. He he really was excited for it. And like yeah, I watched it, it on Christmas. Yeah. yeah, it was such a just a downer to realize half an hour in you were bored. Like it was just kind of boring and not coming together. And and. I don't know. I mean, I think toxic fandom is driving everything down and the component of social media and that is a huge downward force uh, on on any movie that comes out, particularly comic book movies, just because they're they have a large amount of bros. Yeah, I you know, it's it was it was disappointing that the film wasn't an absolute grand slam. Like, there just wasn't a home run, right? That it didn't come out of the gate and was just great. It would have been great if it was. Um, so there was the disappointment factor on that level, and then it just felt even worse to be online during it and to just see this sort of, you know, the pylon was also just that much more upsetting. But um, so uh, I'm very curious, Jessica, if you've seen the movie um, that we're, we're covering next week. Um, we're, we're, we're doing uh, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. Have, have I, you seen I have this? not, no. Have you seen this uh, film? You haven't seen this one? I haven't. Uh, it's, it was a DC, uh, DC, it was a Disney Channel TV movie uh, that came out in 99. Um, about a girl who lives in a space station with her parents and then her parents ground her to Earth to live with her aunt. And it's actually weirdly a movie about uh, an insurance scam and a guy who's trying to crash the space station in order to uh, cash in on insurance money. So who knew? That's but, amazing. Uh, it's, it is something. Uh, but, uh, but we have a, a friend of mine, an actor, um, Jennifer DiBella, is coming on to talk about that. Um, it's a weird movie, guys. People really love it. Uh, my roommate, and it seems like um, most of the people that I know that were, uh, I guess, eight or nine <laughs> when it came out were big fans. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to drop that episode. But um, more than anything, Jessica, I want to thank you for coming on again to talk about the 13th floor with us. Oh, I am always yeah, so happy to get to talk to you guys. It's like having friends. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> I get to like talk to friends. other human beings for an hour and a half. That's that's a good day from my oh book. My God. And obviously you're going to come back and, and we're going to incrementally get you to a place <laughs> where like you, you come on for like a great movie at some point, but like we'll get you to it. We'll, we'll make that happen. But but we'll, we definitely can't wait oh, to have you back. I, I really am looking forward to what your next movie will be, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things is what? Because Phil's just like she's doing Thirteenth Floor. I'm like, uh? <laughs> right. two, 
in Phil's defense, like the movie on the list that he suggested that was the only one I had seen on the list was Jacob the Liar. So believe me when I say we got lucky that I picked this one. Jacob the Liar we are going to do in 45 seconds. <laughs> it's going to be a I saw it pod. in theaters when I was 19. Whoa, you might be the only person. You might well, have to come on then. I lived down the street from an independent movie house at that point, and I, it was like a summer and all my friends were gone, so I just saw everything, and oh boy, that was... Into it. Uh, but we're going to have you back, Justin. Please have me, yeah. Let's let's aim for something that got 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that would be great. That yeah. would be a good bar. We'll I think yeah. you're like, well, people liked Entrapment, but they're morons. Um, <laughs> people do like Entrapment. 40% is what we're, what we're shooting for. Okay. Yeah. That's a we'll make sound. it happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you again, just for coming on. One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Also, please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's. Thank you to Ernie and Will for producing our episode, Sullivan for our social media, Yonkatas for our artwork and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.